Hello and welcome to the Wind Thieved Hat. Now it's rare, but every so often a documentary film comes along that transcends the medium, that is in itself a work of art. For me, Garage People by Natalia Yefimkina is such a film. It describes the lives of a group of people living in the Arctic Circle in Russia, all of whom have their own garage space where they pursue all kinds of activities, from salvaging scrap to carving religious icons, playing death metal, breeding quail, and even digging a never-ending hole. It's intimate, profound, and above all, human. So I was really pleased to be able to talk to Natalia Yefimkina, the film's director, about her own creative process, and Garage People is remarkably her first documentary film. In our conversation, recorded remotely, we discuss the question of artistic compromise and fighting for your vision, especially as a first-time director and as a woman. Natalia, who's never been to film school, describes the value in rejecting the conventions of your chosen media. She reflects on the role of ego in the artistic process, and there's an explanation of how she managed to navigate the challenges of a four-year project. If you haven't seen the film yet, do track it down. You can find it in the UK on the BBC iPlayer. But for now, sit back, take it easy, and enjoy my illuminating conversation with Natalia. Hello, Natalia. Welcome to The Wind Thief Town. It's a real pleasure to have you join me today. It was, it was only a couple of weeks ago that um, I watched Garage People. And occasionally when I'm watching television, it doesn't happen very often. I watch something and I just go, wow, that is a film that I will remember for a long time. Um, and, uh, and Garage People was one of those films. And I have to say, I've watched a lot of television <laughs> over the last couple of years in COVID. So, um, so thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you also, Richard. And uh, the film is, of course, not for the, not made for the television. So the film was made for the big screen. And yeah. that's why maybe you um, there's more effort in it as a television documentary. So uh, that's why the quality is also higher than the television yeah. documentary. And it was just uh, bought by the BBC. So you saw it on a, on a TV. Yeah. But basically it was uh, shot for the big screen and it was produced for the sh for the big screen and i also really like made no compromise because of yeah. the big screen <laughs> sure well i you know i'd love to see it on a big screen as well it's a, it's a very beautiful film and um, and we'll we'll talk about the look um so wh wh where do we find you today where where are you uh, where are you based i'm based in berlin so i was um, 11 when my mother decided to move to germany because she's a scientist and she was a doctor in in science and she couldn't really earn enough money in the Soviet Union. Um, by that time, it was not Soviet Union anymore, but it, this were the hard 90s in Kiev. And so she decided uh, to take the offer of a job in Germany. It was very badly paid and it, she also had on, only a contract for three months. So she was like, explode. Ex, uh, exploitation it was <laughs> like okay. that but she really like saw it as a chance so we moved to Germany with her after one year so we waited for her one year yeah. and then um, she was allowed or she took us uh, illegally first and uh, that's why I'm based in Germany but I have strong roots to uh, to Russian language and to Russia and to Ukraine I don't really separate these two because my language is yeah. Russian and um, of course, the political situation is um, is bad, but uh, it has nothing to do with the people. That's why I decided to make a film about uh, people in Russia, and doesn't mm, it, you know it doesn't feel like wrong to make a film about Russia being Ukrainian. And, and do you think, as a as a documentary filmmaker, having the perspective of somebody who grew up in one country but then has spent a lot of their older life in another, that kind of outsiderness maybe has given you a, a perspective on on people. Do you find that helpful? I think it's very helpful because uh, you can't, you you know, my cameraman shooting garage people said, this is the first time I'm not making folklore, uh, like folkloristic 
okay. cinema because it's uh, usually German people having making a film about Russia and not speaking the language. For me, of course, I'm speaking the language. I can connect to the people. I can keep their dignity. And this is um, something which helps a lot. At the same time, you're looking from abroad and uh, people were asking me, why are you interested in garage? Uh, because garage uh, you find in every city, you find in every small place, you find, you find these huge settlements near the cities. So it's like a phenomenon. It's everywhere. It's everyday life. So they said it's so boring. Um, even my protagonists till the last moment, they were not understanding for what you show this everyday life, you know? So, uh, this is something which helped me a lot to look from the outside. So I saw the possibility to talk about Russia through the garages, because in the garages, you find people of all ages, of all communities, of, uh, all, so, uh, uh, social layers. And this makes it much easier to understand the normal Russian life and not the life which we see in the, in the television, television uh, where we talk about uh, the, the regime or the rich people, you know. What is, mm -hmm. How does the everyday person adopt you know, to this system or to this life? Yeah, absolutely. And I, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit because I think one of the things that that is great about the film is that it is of a very particular place and environment. But I think the, the characters and their experiences are kind of universal, which is why it resonated so strongly with me here in Wales, you know, several thousand miles away from the Arctic Circle. Although it does feel quite close to the Arctic Circle today, I have to say. It's, uh, it's kind of cool. Um, so um, for anybody who's not seen it, and I, you know, I hope people listening to this in the UK will be able to watch it on iPlayer and other places. They will track it down. But for anybody who's not seen Garage People, how would you describe the film? It's difficult because the film is about life. So people laugh, you know, then people uh, feel sorry, then people are shocked, then people cry. So it's like um, you can't. It's you know, it's difficult to describe something which is very heterogeneous. It's uh, it's not about um, it's about people. It's not about garage at the end. It's about uh, finding freedom in the garage, finding things to do, and about uh, keeping their dignity or keeping their um, you know some some hope in in the country which leaves no hope. And uh, that's why maybe it's so close to you or close to our European people who watch it because it shows us that um, we are all human, you know, we are all humankind and we all want to have some kind of self-realization and we all want uh, to create something and we want to walk with our hands and we w want somehow to feel happy or free or have friendship or have a community. I guess one of the things for me about the film is um, – I have found myself reading more Russian literature over the last few years uh, for one reason or another. I don't know whether it's to do with my age or, or, or whatever, but it's Tolstoy and Turgenev. And I was watching this film and very soon I began to feel like this was one of those novels. You know, that there, there is something, um, there is something that there is this sort of background of kind of hardship and space. And there are these precisely drawn, intricate characters whose Whose, whose lives we, we, we become embroiled in, and a sort of uh, an, a kind of authorial distance to, you know, a lack of intrusiveness, but a close observation. Um, uh, and, and I guess that's one of the reasons the film stood out for me so much, because it was, th th there could have been different ways that you made this film, I think, but you've, you've done a brilliant job of turning the particular into into something which can resonate with us even if we don't have a garage or we've never been to Russia. Yeah, and people ask me, do you have a garage? And of course not, you know. And do, do you live in Russia? No. It's not about uh, Russian. It's not about a garage. It's about uh, us at the end, for me also. And I can't, you know, I can't think about uh, public. I can't think about the uh, viewers. I can think only about what, um, how it's resonance with me. So it's just uh, if I laugh or if I 
feel sorry or if I, you know, this is only the thing. Uh, so the thing how you can decide what, uh, what is, what, what you yourself like or dislike or where you want, uh, want to, you, what you want to show and you hope that other people will understand this. And have you found the reception so far to be as you anticipated? Do, do, does, does the hu- humanity resonate with audiences? Yes, but uh, I'm kind of happy to talk to the audience. But um, on the other hand, it's also for me, it's the piece is done, you know. Right. So I was working for it for four years. And I, I, how I told you, I, I'm, I was not having any compromises. I was not doing any compromises. So I really fought for every word you hear there. So the words, the words should be different. The subtitling should be different. Uh, people should be cut out, you know. So there was so so many resistance, so much resistance from the side of the people who created it or who produced it or who, you know, who who were involved in it. So I really fight it for it because I knew I'm. I owe it also to the protagonists, you know. Mm. I owe mm. it that they are not only sad but they are also funny, and I owe them that they are funny because their life is not only sad. And I owe them that they talk hard. They talk harsh. They don't talk like, oh, I'm sorry, you know. They really mm-hmm. talk in their own hard language. And mm-hmm. if I make it soft, German-like, you know, then it's not resonance with their personality, you know. Or if I cut out uh, something like the soldiers, the German soldiers, which are inside, which are the protagonists where they transform into German soldiers um, um, of the Second World War, not the first, the second. Yeah, And people said to me, you can't put it in the film. In, you will show it in Germany. It's a German, uh, you know, like money. And it's like strange how the Russians, and I said, it's not something I made up. They transform in this uniform. They love it. Uh, it's their hobby. You know, um, that's all. I will not cut it out. You know? So this is like, um, this is something uh, you go through this process for four years and you have to be sure. But it's, it's not that I'm alone, you know, decide, I'm, I owe it to the cameraman. The cameraman made beautiful pictures. So I owe him that it was, edi- the editing is good. So I needed four editing people and one right. year of editing, you know. Wow. And I owe it to the protagonist and I owe it to the sound design, that the sound design is made as good as possible because the person who was making the sound on on spot made such a good job. And mm-hmm. if I would say then, yeah, it's okay, um, that's good enough. No, it's not mm-hmm. good enough. I have mm-hmm. to be, it has to be perfect. I found myself that I'm a perfectionist or I don't know, I never thought I would be. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much of not stable. I'm always interested in new st- things, but there were so many new things coming up that it's never get bo- boring, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's very impressive that you had uh, that you were so um, uh, rigorous in preserving your 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 vision. You know, I, I read a quote. There's not my there aren't many articles I've been able to find in my research, but you said. Um, as you've just said now, I, I didn't realize that I was a perfectionist before, but I understood that if I believed I could make the film better, I should try to do it. No one trusted me because I'm a woman and I'm a first-time director. Everyone said, you just don't know what you want because it's already good enough. So it was kind of hard. That, that You must have felt a lot of pressure with, uh, as, a, as a first-time director. People would have thought maybe they could move you, know, move you on your position, but... Um, it's not a pressure. It's more that you are yourself insecure because you're doing it for the first time. So you're yeah. always thinking maybe they're right. And then also it's, um, um, you have, it's also a little bit more light because you don't have, you, you, you mustn't succeed. You know, this is the first time. So right. you just make it, you just make it. But, um, of course I knew that I could make it better. You don't know how, but you know that it can be better. So it's, uh, was hard to, uh, hard to persuade people, um, that it's really going to be better. Yeah. And I had uh, the support of uh, my cameraman. So he knew it can be better. So he really supported me, uh, in changing also the editors and, 
So it was, uh, uh, there was always a help of someone, you know, also yeah. my boyfriend is a very helpful and very critical also. He's an artist and his mother was a famous DOP in the Soviet Union. So he's kind of raised with the big films right. and he was always pushing me to be a director first and then pushing me to get the child while shooting. So uh, having a child and shooting and him taking care of the child and then to make it better and better. And, you know, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. So he, it's kind of hard, but at the end, it's very, you need a partner who is there first to keep, to, to look after your children. We have yeah. two. And also to support you in not being satisfied very fast yeah yeah it, it, it's so important isn't it that and uh, one often finds that um with any artist there is there is some personal relationship maybe a you know a partner or a or another artist who who just affords them a little bit of strength but one of my favorite stories is um is alfred hitchcock's wife alma revel was was critical in Alfred Hitchcock's success. When he won an award later on in his career, he, he thanked four people, um, and all of them were Alma Revel. And, and, and not a lot of people know this, you know, and, and he, um, there's, there's a famous, uh, one, one of the famous stories about Alma is when um, he was showing, uh, Hitchcock was showing her the rough cut of Psycho, and all his friends had said what a brilliant film it was. He showed it to Alma, and she said, you can't, you can't use the film. You can't let it go out like that. And, and Hitchcock said, why not? She said, in the shower scene, where Janet Lee has been murdered, she's still breathing. And Hitchcock's looked at it and says, she's right. <laughs> this is a perfect story. Yeah. Um, and, oh, this, she's an amazing woman. Um, uh, but I, I think it's very important, isn't it, that we, we, we have those personal relationships sometimes as creators and artists, people who, who understand what we do, but also understand us as human beings. You have, you have to find, like... Um... Uh, the balance between uh, trusting your partner and trusting what he says and not showing it to him before you're really sure because also it's very difficult if you're creating something and you're getting this energy and you need the energy to persuade people, to make it happen, to organize. And in this moment, the partner comes and says, you're going the wrong way. You know. So sometimes I think this is like a balance. You have to find the yeah. balance when to show. When yeah. to show and when to get the get criticized. Yeah. So this is like this balance in between. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very very difficult to to describe how the creation goes. Sometimes you know it's not about that you sit there and you decide what to do. Sometimes it's uh, before getting to sleep in this moment of getting to sleep and not still asleep. Uh, where you let go, where you're not mm -hmm. having anything, all your daily life goes away. And then I'm, I'm kind of, okay, now you have a half an hour, an hour where you think through all your projects and all your decisions on the project and you decide what to do next or what to try else or what, how to transform it completely, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. sometimes uh, you have also to be critical to yourself and say this, I'm sorry, your idea doesn't work at all. Mm. So you mm. choose this person, you choose this story, but this is not, uh, mm. not it's not leading anywhere. Yeah. So this yeah. is a, a kind of, um, and I think this is uh, we. I think the director has always to be somehow. Um, you can't have an ego, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, yeah. you have to throw your ego overboard, and especially in the documentary, because in the documentary you also can't come to a garage and say, I am a director and, you know, this is my famous DOP. You have, uh, you know, and they shout at you and uh, send you away. So you, you always have to be small and unimportant what you actually, you are, you know, in this world of garages or in this mm -hmm. world of other places, you are nobody. So this mm -hmm. is, I think, very difficult for fiction people mm. to go to to make the documentaries or because you have kind of standing and you have kind of life and you already won some prizes and you're still nobody yeah that's really interesting they that thought that um in that sort of liminal space between sleeping and waking that's where your that's where your unconscious reveals its secrets isn't it um where, where your brain that's been working on stuff says yeah. okay this is 
this is maybe how it should be. It's, it's a fascinating time, that isn't it? When um, when you've when you've you've moved away from your desk, often that's where the the insights come. And I also, you know, I never, Richard, I never try to to walk like I have now to decide what I'm gonna do. I think, okay, now I have now a dog. Now I will go for a walk with the dog. Then I will make the dough for the bread. And I will pick my uh, children, you know. Then I will um, go to the garden to make some garden work, to walk in the forest. I think it's all needed for the creative process. I don't think you can just, you know, I know people who walk all day long, you know. they all all in their walk and they never uh, create something which is bigger than they are because they're always busy with small tasks, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, the creative process is also small tasks. So I'm never thinking about be making a big film. I'm always thinking like, okay, write two pages, offer it to producer, then think about uh, to write four pages, then find a character where you can write six pages. So I never think like friends of mine say, oh, documentary film for uh, doing it for four years. I I said. You think it's four years? I never thought about it. <laughs> you know, right. so I was, you just you just uh, think in small steps. But it's not about you know you. It's it has to. It is fun first of all. The creation is fun, and uh, you 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 play with the life, and you play with the pictures, and you play with the sound, and this has to be um, light. And when you are too focused, too hardly in it, too. Uh, desperate to make something good out of it and people should like it you know you, it loses um i don't know it loses some kind of magical mm-hmm. m- magical power yes. the image and the sound and you know and yeah. also working with the people i think uh working with the sound design or with the editing uh people it has to be some kind of um creation um, fun on of the creation of fun of doing something mm. um, together. Mm. It's mm. Um, I, sometimes I think it's more than a friendship. It's because with the friends you can't laugh, you are not laughing all the time in the same spots or you're not feeling desperate or you're not, you know, and with the editor and with the cameraman and with the sound person, you really have to feel the same. Mm-hmm. No, you have to create the same. You have to, you have to you breathe in the same moment. Mm, and this mm. is something which is uh, very difficult uh, to find. But uh, if you find these people, it's um, it's like love, you know. There's a really nice quote by the photographer Dorothea Lang, who many people will know from her photograph of the migrant mother, which was during the Dust Bowl. And I can't remember the quote exactly, but it's something like, um, uh, I never, when, when, when I make photographs i never go with preconceptions because then i'm only photographing what i expect and that's not interesting to me and that sentiment i think is uh, is 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 one you've described beautifully i guess as a documentary maker it's particularly true that you you must go and be in that moment and work with what that moment presents rather than arrive with a a restricted vision, because then, as you say, the film can never be bigger than you. And people also ask me, um, did you write the dialogues or something like this? Right. You know? And you can't write these dialogues. You can't yeah. really. I have n- not that kind of big imagination, yeah. you know, and this is like you come, you're not, uh, you have no perception, you have not, you're not uh, looking for something, and then the life gives you a present. It's like a, a, yeah. a present which you uh, get without uh, expecting it. And you have to be very flexible because if you, for example, I came to the garage and I wanted to shoot Victor alone while he goes uh, four stories under his garage, which uh, I knew he digged it for all his life. For 40, over 40 years, he digged his garage um, and uh, went uh, four or five stories and made it with concrete and ra- uh, rails. So... It was a crazy thing, and I was thinking like, "Oh, this! I'm going with him alone, and he looks around, and then there was this uh, uh, his grandson there doing something, cleaning, and I said, "Oh my God, this is not I, something I expected. You know, I didn't want the grandson to be there." And then 
you have to be uh, flexible. You have to be super flexible. And this is something which helps me to be, to be a Ukrainian because Ukraine functions very flexible. You know, you have okay. always, you don't know what will happen next. And so I, it, it was in this moment I decided, okay, then it's fine. If it happened to be like this, and this is one of the most beautiful scenes where the, where the grandson tries to understand what's going on and what is this and, uh, and the grandfather is showing it to him for the first time in every every like um, store, and so uh, um, not store. How you say it? Every level. Every level of his garage going deeper and deeper and deeper. So it makes um, you understand the um, yeah the relation between them and also this about uh, the grandfather giving something to the grandchild, the grandchild doesn't really understand what it is, you know? Yeah, so you have yeah. all this humor in it, but also all the sadness and all this, you know, making something bigger than you are for all your life, but not understanding for what. Yeah, know? I mean, Finding... that introduces one of the big themes, I think, of the film, which is this sort of, we are here for a fixed period, you know? <laughs> life is this however many weeks and then we're gone and uh, and and I suppose in that in that moment there is the handing over of of the garage I mean these garages will be occupied by lots of different people won't they over time all of them playing out their story on these on these stages let, let let's talk a bit more about um the characters because as i said the the there's this beautiful cast of of characters that all have their own idiosyncrasies um uh, there is um, there is the the icon, the guy who carves the icons, who is seems like these are religious icons, but he's it's not clear that whether he actually believes in God. There is a priest who seems quite earthly and concerned with finance, and there is there is the hole digger, the guy who digs these hole this five floors under his garage. But there, there are two characters that that really stood out to me, and. And it's interesting that you, you, some people have asked whether you wrote the dialogue because the, there were these two bits that I wrote down when I was watching it. So the, the first one is, um, is a man who I think he's, I don't, I forget his name, but he's the guy who, who breeds quail. Yeah, Raman, Roman. Roman. Mm. That's right. And he, he's talking about having lost his first two wives. And he says, which in a way that in a, seems quite Russian to me, this, but it's fate. You can't do anything about it. We're already powerless here, so you can't change your destiny. Some ask, do you want to live again differently? No, I wouldn't want to. All that was, it was, and it was mine. Oh, that's <laughs> thought, great, wow. Yeah, wow. amazing. Yeah, and when you hear something like that through the cans, does it, does it, strike you on the day or, or or is it afterwards when you're looking at the edit or was, was that a moment when he said that where you thought wow that's i don't know we came to this garage and it was stinky and i said to my cameraman you can't wear a mask but it was really ammoniac inside of this small garage where like hundreds of chicken and quails and he showed us his uh thing where he made briquettes out of um you know uh, how you say it in english shit <laughs> yeah. okay and I, I i hoped you have a more uh, normal word, for, this. word for it um uh, chicken <laughs> droppings yeah okay <laughs> so it was like really uh, nasty and not really nice to be there in this garage yeah. and uh, that and this is was the feeling of me what i transformed to you so you had also the feeling like oh this man looks really ugly oh this man makes really something really like nasty things with and this chicken this poor chicken in this garage and then this person is saying something which is so strong and so beautiful and so a lot of of us are not as far as he is you know in his yeah. um, reflecting his life, mm. and this was important for me that you have a, a perception like I had, like oh, this man, mm -mm. and then you know the life is more interesting than you think, yeah. and the people are more deep than you think, and the people are more beautiful than you expect, 
and yeah. every person has something which is very precious and mm. uh, it was for me important to show Raman and um the my my boyfriend's mother said yeah this is t- you you shot him too near this doesn't fit in the film you know it, it doesn't fit inside uh, you know and then i said to her it doesn't matter how it fits or not you know the most important is that this sentence makes the character you know this sentence makes us love this character some of the german women mm. said this is their he's the their favorite character you know and right. then at the end he founds his love and he dances with her um yeah. and she says to him look um um he, no, no he he says to her look at this guy he's so brown and she's and she desperately wants to go away from this uh, russian city and she says don't tell me he's coming from Dominican Republic. I desperately want to go to Dominican Republic. And yeah. he says, not, he says, he doesn't say it doesn't, you know, we will see you or something. He says, it's not, uh, how you, you translate it? It's not the evening yet. You know, so he, in this kind of romantic yeah. uh, sentence where you, you know, this is what you actually want a man to answer. <laughs> so, and this is uh, makes him, on the other hand, also very romantic and very beautiful. And um, this is how I also liked him. I loved yeah. uh, this person, and also I liked uh, Sergey, who is uh, having Parkinson. And at the first time, you think he's a freak. You know, he's a completely freak. He yeah. like he makes very strange faces. He I, I, my wife strange. and I thought it was drugs initially. We saw him with those jerky movements and thought maybe he's on some kind of drugs. Yeah, or maybe he's drunk. Maybe he's on drugs. Maybe he's just freaky. And then you see him um, uh, taking t- uh, uh, medicine, and then you see him what kind of things he's doing in his garage. He's able to do things we would not do without having Parkinson. And he's yeah. having Parkinson in doing all the small things, cutting it. And everyone thinks in the cinema, oh, my God, he will cut his hand off. Or he, yeah. he will, you know. And uh, he makes it all without glasses, without anything. And this kind of also, it will, uh, this kind of um, appreciation also for these people, how... They manage their life with all their problems, with all their life, um, you know, strokes or how you say it. Like, uh, and this is something which um, make them adorable for me. And this is what yeah. I wanted to show to you as well. Mm-hmm. And also to show that there's not only old people. For example, we have like a band where we have young people, you know, young people of dreaming to go away, of making music and everything. So you then then writing a poetry. I was so amazed that he writes poetry. And I said to him, you know, I want you to read this poetry in the film. And he said, yeah, do you think it suits? And I think, why not? You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's brilliant. And, it's lovely that moment where he's, he's on the bus, isn't he? And you, you yeah. I think you hear in voiceover his poem yeah. about the snow, and and then he descends into the mind. <laughs> and this, yeah, and the people said to me, "How you can put this uh, poetry over? You know, you you haven't used this." And I think the film, you can make everything, everything yeah. in the film. You have to be open and yeah. not. Um, not restrict yourself in doing something, you know, when you restrict yourself in creation or creating something, you make something dead, you know. And I think uh, the life offers you the, uh, the options and you have just to transform them into the film or into this, in, into, the, into, into film or into music or I don't know, into mm-hmm. something. And this is uh, something which uh, helps me not being not going to school. So I haven't been to a film school, and I haven't uh, ever had uh, professors who said to me, "This is how the film functions," right? Or okay. that's how it should be. That's or that is. And I met a, a like a, um, a kind of famous director, a woman, and she said to me you really made everything wrong in your film. You start with uh, this walking up 
which no one understands where you go. Then you introduce characters which are not really sympathetic. They are really dirty and ugly and something. And then you make us uh, go into this, uh, you know, garage downstairs, five stores. Everything you made, every you broke all the rules, and it's still fine, you know. And yeah. um, I but think it's, this it's, is it's, not... it's more more than fine, isn't it? I, you know, th this is part of the strength of it. I, I, when I was watching it, I, I was thinking. When I was watching it the second time, I, I was thinking it would be easy, and uh, one would expect a little you know, within the first two or three minutes a title to come up to say Murmansk is a region in the Arctic Circle. There is a mine, and you know to set the sort of context. But you you, you never do that, do you? And um, and I think that sort of um, the fact that as a viewer you are not deliberately steered gives the film the size that it has the, the the power that it has really the the sense of scale that it's um yeah I, I'm really pleased you brought the rules because <laughs> I think it works really well but, um, some of the people doesn't understand it they think you have to explain and I, it's kind of sad that people um you know we are forced uh, by the tv station and by the um, they teach us that we need the explanation, but we are actually, um, we are clever enough to give mm. our, to, uh, to receive it and to analyze it by ourselves. We don't need the explanation. It makes it more lower. We need, we need to connect to our senses and to make our own perception of what we see. And this is so sad that, um, uh, some of uh, of the critics also told to me, yeah, you you should explain it. You should explain where we are, whom we see, how old they are, you know, uh, what they're doing in their um, in their job or what is. But actually, everything is inside. So there's yeah. 95 minutes of the story, and it's told very very chronological. So there's. You know, you see Victor when he goes there with his um, grandchild in this uh, crazy five-store garage. Uh, and then um, you find him being ill and uh, his grandson sitting there with a friend using one one level. You know, then you find uh, his wife on a grave. You know, so you you just like, you, you see the story of a life in the film. Um, and um, I don't know what I should explain. I'm sorry. But there's, mm. it's inside, you know, yeah, and uh, you don't really need me to explain no. it. No. And I, and I think um, one thing that works well to me is your presence or your absence as a filmmaker. So this, there are some incredibly intimate scenes. And um, I want to talk to you a bit about Vitaly in, in, in a moment. But... Um, the, the the characters in the film don't speak to you that I'm aware of or, or don't look down the camera. There, there is a sort of a, a, an intimacy, a closeness, but um, but this, this, it's kind of a paradox, but a, a, a kind of a respectful distance as well. You know, I, I um, which sort of makes it seem a bit more, a bit truer in a way. I'm, I'm scrabbling around, but you, were you conscious of that when you when you were making the film that you were you didn't want your presence as a director, as a filmmaker, to be felt too strongly? Uh, so I come from a fiction film, first of all. So I was the uh, director's assistant in the fiction. So I wanted to raise the quality of the documentary. So I wanted it to be a good camera, a good cameraman, being very close to the characters, having the perfect sound, the perfect picture, everything. Right. So I was very very uh, fighting for making the good image and uh, to be very close to them and to have the scenes which are very close. At the same time, I think um, I'm, I have nothing to say. So I think I have to be outside. I have, uh, it's not my dialogue with them. It's their dialogue with each other and with the, with their job or with their partner or, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm just there to capture this, but I'm, I have to be modest. I'm not the one who is living there. I'm not the one who understands it. I'm 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 just um, there to capture and I'm there to to reveal it, to reveal the beauty of it. 
but I'm not the one who should be in, in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the one who asks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, it was very important to be behind, but to be very close to them. So you have the feeling that you are really with them, fighting with them, um, you know, uh, quarreling, uh, crying, like feeling funny with them, making fire. So being at the same time, very close at the same time, uh, not to feel the camera team. So, mm-hmm. mm, and I too, I really like, um, I was looking for characters which are very different. So you see that this is a society. It's, it's a, like a microcosm of a society. And uh, another thing, what I was looking for, uh, for people who don't care about the camera, who just don't care, you know, okay. they forget the camera. They don't really need the camera. They don't really, they don't really understand for what it is good, you know, and this makes them, and they're very, very garage people. So they don't really go somewhere else. They're not interested in cinema or going abroad or learning English or, you know, they're yeah. really, uh, really based in their garages and they spent all their life in the garages and uh, no one came to Berlinale to see the film, you know, because uh, even Raman said to me, okay. I want to take Julia to, you know, his new love. I want yeah. to take Julia to, to the sea. You know, I don't want to go uh, to Berlin in February. Are you crazy? Yeah. You know, so right. it's, uh, it's, so, uh, they're very authentic. It. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I showed it to Sergei because Sergei is feeling really bad with his Parkinson and he's not uh, visiting his garage. And you know, when Sergei is not visiting his garage, this is re- really super bad. So um, I tried to show it to Sergei um, and I succeeded to show them um, his wife and him um, the film. So they saw it and um, I think also the musicians saw it. Ah, okay. um, but uh, yeah. Pavel uh, haven't haven't seen it and Ilya also saw it Ilya and Vitalik couldn't see it anymore of course because Vitalik died in the age of 36 what was also a shock for me how a person can die with 36 you know be the same age as me but yeah. while shooting the movie and I thought always he's like over 50 or maybe 60 and I found yeah. out he's, he's only 36 uh, being trapped in this alcohol problem yeah with this crazy bad alcohol what he drank you know and um, so he couldn't see the film, of course, and Victor couldn't uh, see the film, but, um, and Tatiana also died. So there's like a whole disaster of characters, uh, yeah, which I yeah, have like yeah. of losing the characters. But um, the others, um, so the half of them, so I think only Pavel haven't seen it. Let's talk a bit about Vitaly then. So he is, um, yeah, as, as you say, when you, when you see him in the film, I, I certainly thought he was older than 36 you discover at the end that he was 36 when he died but he's he's a tragic character really he has this very tragic close relationship with another man who who is obviously the dominant partner in that relationship and he's got this this sadness to him i think uh, vitali and and you understand during the film that that he lost his first love he i i've mentioned writing down dialogue again twice and and the second time is he, d- he describes this um, this relationship and he says um, of his first love, I gave her eight roses. We wanted to get married. My mother's birthday is on the 16th of April and on the 12th, my love burned to death. That's how it was. Since then, I don't give flowers to girls anymore. And and I didn't edit that. That is as in a single take. That is how he told that story. And it's, 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 it's a huge... Um, it's an extremely powerful moment in the film, and you, uh, and there's the scene. I'm not sure. I think it maybe comes afterwards where there's a close up of him smoking a cigarette, really tugging on this cigarette in the in the cold with the snow behind him, and then then just trudging along through the snow. And you you feel then you understand um, what is behind those um, those bloodshot eyes. Yeah, and for me, it was kind of important to put him up, you know, to give him space in this world because the others in the garage you know Ilya is looking for him he's 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 actually the slave of Ilya and he's doing everything for the alcohol and Ilya really like um, hits him but shouts at him and everything and Ilya is looking for him because he's lost and Ilya can't survive without him this is interesting like like yeah this uh, this figures of Dostoevsky like you are 
you know, you are kind of very different, but you are one, you know, yeah. and uh, Vitalik get, uh, is gone and Ilya is looking for him and he goes to this garage and there are guys and he says, have you, have you seen my Vitalik? So he says really like my Vitalik and they say, no, but if we will see him, should we beat him up? And this is like, um, also this, um, you know, he's nothing. He's uh, alcoholic. He is uh, kind of homeless. He um, he is like the dirt of the Russian society, you know. And at the same time, Vitalik is so so somehow modest and clever, and also he would never raise his voice, you know, to shout at someone. He would never uh, despise some someone. He would never, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something which makes him like my secret hero in this film and puts him up on a pedestal or how you, you call it. <clears throat> For me, it was very important to give um, him a place. And I also mm-hmm. fight it to put him at the end to show that he died with 36. And yeah, and it's, um, yeah, it's a kind, kind of tragedy. And it starts very funny, and we laugh a lot, and they swear a lot, and it's kind of the uh, Ilya wants to buy an Audi, you know. It's uh, it's really like crazy funny dialogues. How they cut down this bus, and and it's then kind of farcical, isn't it? With those with those two, it's a kind of farce to begin with. And yeah, then, and then and there's this punch. Yeah, and they're also like um, when they cut down the bus, and the um, and it falls down. And then they both said, oh, a cabriolet. <laughs> it's so comic. Yeah. They are all dialogues are so comedian-like, you know. Yeah. And people ask me, why, um, why are the people so philosophical? How they yeah. make such a dialogues? And then I said, uh, I said to my mom, what should I say? People ask me this, you know. And she said, just say, say to, the, to, the, to the people that every Russian is a... Um, it's a philosoph. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's also you can actually find something beautiful in every person. You just have to look for it. I agree wholeheartedly, and that's I think one of the great things about good documentary films. When we were talking about making the film, and and you said um, you you know you, you have to put your ego to one side. You've got to be open to things unfolding in the way that they want to unfold, rather than the way you would have them unfold. And I, I guess that's, you know, that, that's absolutely true for the experience of shooting the film. But then when you get to the edit and you've got however, God knows how much material you must have had having shot the film for so long, then I guess you're, you, you have to decide how to put this thing together, how to shape it. That's when um, I guess you need a different kind of mentality, perhaps, from being the observer to to somebody who is then going to shape the material into 95 minutes so so in order chat i think you have to be both you have to uh, first to let it go but also in the uh, in the time of the process of shooting you have really to force um the the life to hap- to make it happen you know right. if you're not really after this if you're not really fighting for your vision for things you want to shoot for people to be there for people to to accept you you know so it's uh, something about uh, pushing and letting go about loving and knowing what you want and um because i did all everything by myself so i did the production side of myself by myself also the assistance and uh translating because my cameraman was not speaking any russian so i was translating i was organizing i was like making the driver come there go there you know so this is like you have really to be also very pushy on one hand you know okay. it's not about uh, being very relaxed so it's every picture is of course a decision you know every picture is a decision every character is a decision sometimes you come and they're not there and you have to persuade them to be there and to to be to be uh, to to make it happen you know so it's kind of both i can't say it's like you if you just let it go nothing happens also you can wait forever that something happens you know so it's um both and also in the editing process it's like um you 
you trust the people you're working with. So you trust them. And uh, then if you are thinking it goes the wrong way, you have to be, you have to, to be hard because like one friend of mine, he, she said to me, Natalia, you didn't come to make friends. You, you, you came to make a good project, you know, and this is something which is important. You know, you can cook for the people, you can feel nice, you can talk, you can smoke with them cigarette, but if it's not going the way it should, mm-hmm. you should, you know, you should change them. And yeah. this is so you, you had to take some tough decisions then. I had to had I, I had to uh, take some tough decisions, and I had also to fight. And uh, I never fought as much as I fought in the last uh, years for this film. And I haven't also I cried also a lot because it's, you sometimes think, you know, if the subtitles are totally different, you think your whole project is you know gone. Or if uh, you 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 think they want to cut out your protagonist, like they wanted, my first editor wanted to cut, for example, Ilya and Vitalik completely. So you think like, oh, you lose your whole film, you know. So it's always very substantial. You always mm-hmm. think, you know, you're losing everything. You worked for mm-hmm. four years, so it's it was for me. It's uh, and really fought like crazy. I I right. fought like I'm fighting for my child. You know, mm-hmm. and it was really, I, f- I, sometimes I shouted at my producer for four hours and he at me. And so, and I cried and he shouted and he was, and he hang up and I hang up. So, you know, there was like all this, um, all this, all these moments to, of creation yeah. also. It's not easy. And I think you have really to be a tough cookie for making some, something like a film, you know, because first you always don't know where, uh, where to go, what to do, and then you're always desperate that everything is gone, no? So you really have to be like somehow, I don't know, I told also to my neighbors, I have so many problems, I have so many problems, nothing works, and she said to me, yeah, maybe you have it in your genes that, you know, that uh, your parents did had such a hard life, and that's everything what comes, happens to you is not as hard. So may, I don't know, but maybe this is like this is a description for yeah. for having this, you know, to going through all of this. So you really have to be ready to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your vision, yeah. because I could cut out the soldiers, I could cut out Vitalik, and uh, I, I, you know, you, I cut out the songs. I cut out, you know, you could, you could, you know, you if you you if you think about it, you know, mm-hmm. it could be a completely different film. Mm-hmm. And uh, for for going through it, you have to be really like uh, very passionate and uh, somehow also crazy. I don't know. With with the stuff you fought for, were you fighting for it because you you rationally intellectually you thought it made sense, or was it was it much more instinctive than that? That you, you knew it, it was instinctive. You knew a sequence had to be in, but you yeah. Because I guess to fight these battles and over such a long period and to be relatively early on in your career, it kind of has to be instinctive, doesn't it? Otherwise, if it were rational, you'd probably get argued out of it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. very, it's all about you feeling it and you don't really know how to describe it, but you know it's wrong right? or it's yeah. right. You listen. And this is... And this is very difficult because the the whole people I fight it with, they were much more experienced and much more into the business. And I was like the newcomer and a woman. And when a woman is um, not finding something good, it's always she's hysteric. You know, when the man is not finding something good enough, then he is professional. Right. So it was uh, kind of... uh, kind of also difficult for me as a woman to to fight for some decisions well i i'm, I'm very pleased that you did um and, and and when you look at the film now do you um i don't know maybe you don't look at the film anymore uh, but but I, i'm always interested in when a when a when a when a work of art is finished you know at what point it, it um and it seems to me that often a work of art is finished not when the artist says it's finished but when something arbitrary happens <laughs> Like a, a, a painting needs to be framed or a, or a deadline has to be hit. But is the film now exactly as you would have it? Or do you look at it and think, oh, maybe there could be something else or, or I would change it? I don't know. 
So I had this uh, last moment of editing and my uh, editing woman who is very professional, very good editor, she said like the film is ready. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to make this five, uh, you know, changing things. And she said, Natalia, it's my baby and I don't want to be disabled, you know, okay. because she really felt it's a baby, which is also beautiful. Really, it's yeah. like kind of a dedication also to the project. So, and um, then uh, she, I said, I'm sorry, then we have to stop walking because I have only four days left or five, you know, I had just very limited time to edit it to the end because it was only four days paid. And, you know, in Germany, no one would, almost no one would walk for nothing, you know, so especially the professionals. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, I, I really fight it to, to, to have the, another editor. And then I had this edit and we had only this five days. So in the five days we did like, we walked like hell. So we really, we didn't have any editing place. So we just asked can we please go to your, you know, editing room for free? And so it was a crazy time. So for four or five days, we edited. And then I had one change of uh, cutting out the music. And this is actually the compromise I did. And I uh, I cut it out one song of Roman playing guitar, Vysotsky. And then after like a year, I talked to a woman in uh, in Moscow and she said to me, this is such a, the film moved me so much. I know Vysotsky. I know his uh, grandson and he would give it to you for free. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> my, my only compromise. <laughs> right. And uh, so uh, I had to uh, cut out this one song and I had um, uh, the post-production house, a big house. Um, they told me, please uh, have our um, cutting assistants. She will cut you this thing, but I had already like, like a list of things which I still wanted to do, you know. And yeah. then uh, I said to her, "Can you take a little bit time for me?" And she said, "Only one cut, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, only one song." And I said, "Okay, um, can I have my friend being my editor?" And then so they said, "Okay, no problem. You take her one, for one cut, and that's all. If you want to have her, take her." And I invited her to the editing room, and we sat there at nine o'clock in the morning, and we finished at six o'clock in the morning. So we stayed there for the whole, and we made hundred small cuts because yeah. I already knew what what we had to change and what is, and we were super critical, super critical. And after at five o'clock. We we looked at it and there was nothing to change. <laughs> but this, you know, it. But we also came with this kind of eyes because we did something which was yeah, yeah. totally forbidden, totally forbidden. Sure. Even my yeah. cameraman, who is really believing in in the in the film and everything, he was shocked. He said, "What have you done?" <laughs> you <know? laughs> and uh, only like after this time and all. After the prizes uh, of Werner Herzog and the prize of, you know, Audencia Award for the best uh, European director. So after these prizes and the festivals and Berlinale and everything, and now it's like approved. Right. The version is approved. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. The, it's, you know, of course, uh, someone can say, you know, it's, it was wrong or it was, it mm -hmm. was a not right decision. But for me, it was done and it was mm -hmm. ready. And actually, I can't really, there is nothing I would, change really there is it's like done for me this piece i would mm -hmm. take the Vysotsky song inside <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 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 just that that, that that was it i was i was thinking of um roman's quote all that was it was and it was mine yeah <laughs> and it's done <laughs> yeah and it's done so um you're presumably moving on to another project now and um i wonder Having worked on something for four years, such a, a big and uh, yeah, worthwhile film, uh, how how do you transition then into the next project? I mean, what's what's your what's your process? How do you um, how do you begin? I mean, I, I guess you don't go right. Okay, this is the next story I'm going to make, or maybe you do. I, I don't know what happens once the film is delivered and you say right, okay, that's it. I can't change anything. How do you prepare yourself? creatively to to move on so on uh, on the 
in the time when I was uh, finishing the film, I was saying like, I need a new project. I need a new project. I have nothing. I have nothing. And nothing appeared. It, it was really like I was doing this film, Garage People, and nothing appeared for me to be important as a topic. You know, and um, also my team said to me, finish this, something new will come after. You know, you have to have the place, the time. And, uh, for example, for me, it was very helpful that I had this uh, corona time, you know, okay, when nothing yeah. was happening. So you really are, you are there, you are with your thinking, you really have to have space. Even if it's cooking and having a vocation, swimming, I don't know, you still have the room for things to come in so this is kind of uh, important so you finish one and then you open up the space for a new thing and then uh, you have really you need the time also to develop it so i'm developing now two projects for already like two years or one and a half years okay. um, because it needs i don't know why it's so long but it needs and now i am I shot one scene for one project, which is going to be in Germany, so in uh, like a European project. And I shoot one scene, and I was um, I, I understood that you have to change the whole complete um, concept of it, and then you have to be strong enough to say, okay, the whole concept you were doing for one and a half years, it's crap, no? and now you have to change your concept and to write the new paper which it's a little bit, you know, um, also sometimes I also said to a friend, I'm now having with Richard this interview about creativity and I'm so lost. <laughs> what should I say to him? You know? So you are again yeah. at the point of zero and you're again yeah. completely lost and you don't yeah. know where to go, where to start, yeah. you know, and you are still with the same thing. So it's yeah. not that you, my mom said to you, to me, you know, my mom is a scientist. Yeah, if you do an experiment, if you write a paper, it gets easier and easier. I said, I'm sorry, but it's not like this with a film. It's all, yeah. it's again zero. And yeah. even it's more difficult now because I have sure. also expectations on my, it's not about you having the expectation or people having expectations, me myself having the expectations, you know, mm. and um, so yeah, creative process is. At the same time, beautiful. Mm. It's like a joyful process. Yeah. At the same time, it's uh, suffering also. Suffering mm -hmm. and you're all alone. No one, because uh, the cameraman needs a vision. The editor needs a vision. The producer needs a vision. At the end, you have to give them all the vision and you're, you're lost by yourself. And you, you, you can't really give a vision. There's um, uh, one of my creative heroes is Brian Eno. The, you know the musician who spent a lot of time mm -hmm. in Berlin, and um, a, he he um, he published his diaries from about twenty five years ago. And there's there's a really nice little essay in there when he talks about being blocked, you know, and hugely creative person, but he you know he gets stuck and projects hit dead ends. And he says, you know, when when this is happening, I find myself working harder and harder and making less and less progress. And then it comes to a point where I just give up. And I stand on the edge of a bit of the abyss, he describes it. And then I throw myself into the abyss. <laughs> and he says, at that point, when I've thrown myself into the abyss and I'm tumbling down, it's at that point when I've given up completely that I just catch sight of a little something. There is a breeze or a moment. And I suddenly start to feel I'm alive again. And that's the point that I, that I grow from. But, I, but he has to get to the abyss <laughs> and hurl himself in before, you know, before it comes around again. Yeah, maybe this is like how it is. I, 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 all, all I can tell you, um, Natalia, from having recorded nearly 30 of these interviews is, is that anybody who commits themselves to a life of creativity commits themselves to a difficult road and a lonely road as well. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful and beautiful and rewarding thing, but it's... Um, it's uh, it's not always easy. <laughs> and it's also very lonely. Yeah, it's lonely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that, and that's an, a, another hope, really, with making these, um, these recordings is that, um, you know, there is people, – people can feel a, um, a sense of community in their loneliness, you know, that we, <laughs> we, 
there's a lot of people lonely trying to do the same thing, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Of course it makes sense uh, completely. Even if you know that there are people who are going the same same path and uh, for such a long time, yeah, it helps. It yeah. helps. Yeah. For me it helps okay. a lot. But it nothing, you know, I couldn't tell you, yeah, it's something super beautiful and I'm super <laughs> yeah. happy and I'm... Yeah. You know, it's uh, kind of uh, harsh, uh, but it's it was it. It's always worth it. Yeah. This this question, w- what should you do? You know, it's better to to suffer and to go through this th- and to create something which you are proud of than to give up. You know, so for me, and it takes this time. It takes a long time to create something. I think this is like fact. It's been amazing <clears throat> to talk to you, and uh, we, we've we've just come into the end of our of our hour. I, I thank you so much for for joining me, and thanks for making this amazing film. And I hope everybody listening gets an opportunity to see it um, at some point. It, it, so, will it, will it have a cinematic release? Will we see it on the big screens? So it's uh, now in cinemas in Germany, um, okay. and uh, it is um, on BBC in 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 the Mediatek. So in England and yeah. in Wales, I think also. Yes, yeah. So, um, so, so it will be around. So the TV companies are now having it. But if there is an option, I would prefer people to watch it on a big screen because it was made for the big screen. So if there's yeah. an opportunity, actually everyone has to have a big screen at home. <laughs> I think <laughs> watch it's courage, like, people. Yeah. No, not only garage people. Like a lot of films are made for the big screen. All the yeah. cinema films are better on the big screen. So I would prefer to buy a big screen and not to buy a car, you know, not to go for vacation, but to have a big screen. So this is like better to have art hanging in your home than to have a big home. You yeah, know? absolutely. This is like, uh, this is what, what is worth in life, what we will take with us, what we will uh, give our children. Nothing but art, no. Here, here. Not an old car and not an old, you know, a flat. It, I think something which which is really worthful. This is like the creative piece. Absolutely. That's why I'm sitting, and behind me is an art piece. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, 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 you, unfortunately, most people are listening to this won't be able to see it. But yeah, you, you've got a great painting behind you drawing etching uh, and i'm in my wife's studio who, who, who you can probably tell is an artist so our house yes. is we need the only reason we need a bigger house is so we've got more walls for, for, for paintings um so thank you very much um uh, thank you I, also, I hope one day we can uh, meet in person maybe a big screen screening of garage people um, uh, and of, a people, of a new film of a new film a, a new film that would be that would yeah. be a wonderful thing so uh, <laughs> thank you so much natalia it's been a, it's been thank a great conversation Take care. Thank you also, Richard, for doing this. Man, I love that documentary, as you can probably tell. And I know so much of what Natalia had to say, not least about the loneliness of creativity, will resonate with many of you, no matter what medium you work in. If you enjoyed this conversation, then please do leave a review. It'll help other people to find it. That's all from me for now. Goodbye. <laughs>